This is MJ. I love Tokusatsu, and right now I want to talk about Kamen Rider Reiwa, the first generation. Uh, this is MJ Loves Toku, episode 55, and my title for this is Finding Your Own Dream. And uh, I watched this movie over the course of two, maybe, no, it, re it was really in two large chunks. I was going to say maybe three days, but that's not true. And uh, there are definitely different parts of this movie. There are some ways in which this movie feels disjointed, and uh, at the same time, there are lots of, well, I, I may be at a disadvantage when talking about this movie specifically because I did not watch uh, all of Kamen Rider Zio. I watched maybe 10 episodes at the most, and uh, I wondered what it would be like seeing him in this, and I gotta say, I was surprised by my reception of Sogo and uh, the rest of the cast, actually, from Zio, and how much I enjoyed seeing them in this. It was actually a lot of fun. Uh, I made myself a reminder for what I wanted to talk about, though, of this movie, because I guess I just want to say, uh, overall, the movie was fun. Overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, there were lots of things to enjoy. Uh, there were lots of segments that I found uh, were fun, compelling, gave a fresh look at uh, the characters from Zero One who I've known throughout watching the last, uh, what is it, 35 episodes or so of the show. Um, you know, so I've been hanging with these people for, you know, over half a year because uh, I've been watching it as the show's releasing. And it was interesting to see all of them and to see a little bit more backstory. We got, like, a different side of the uh, vice president and his assistant, whoever that guy is. We got uh, to see more of Koronosuke, Hedon, and that was interesting, even though this is a... I think this is supposed to be the actual him from the past, not an alternate version of him. And if that's if it's true that we're seeing actual um, Koronosuke, Hedon, uh, he seems to be a little bit more of a complicated character than the show has presented him thus far, and what was seen of him was not seen by Aruto. It was seen by the audience and by Will, the main uh, Humagir villain in this movie. Uh, so I think I, I want to go back to my card real quick and just read off the, the stuff that um, is important in this or the things I want to talk about. So first, I want to talk about the high school horror. Second, the robo-dystopian future. Three, m the messy writer rehash. Uh, and this is kind of in order of, of what happens in the movie. Uh, then there's good dad, bad dad. And then uh, at the end, I would say um, only life is important is the, the last thing I want to talk about. And I'll explain these things as I get more into them later. So uh, just to say, uh, or to recap overall, I liked the movie overall. I thought it was very interesting. It presented some interesting things. Uh, it kind of was in three sections. Um, there was, uh, a bit where we see the Zio cast, but I don't know what happened at the end of Zio, but apparently they're all in high school together and, uh, having like a normal student life and they don't remember anything from the events of Comrades Zio, uh, which, uh, is interesting. And, uh, they're just friends, you know, Sukiyomi and Gates are now in the past, like they're living lives, uh, here uh, with Sogo instead of, uh, you know, in the future being rebels and whatnot. And that's kind of interesting. But seeing them at, at school was fun. Um, what was 
even more fun about this section of the movie, though, is in the beginning, uh, all their classmates turn out to be uh, Humagear, and they're the new generation Humagear, and uh, except for their teacher. Wait, is their teacher? No, he's new generation as well. Anyway, they all go crazy uh, because humans in this world are uh, basically terrorists, according to Will, the president of Hidden Intelligence, and uh, they're, you know, an, an endangered species that needs to be stamped out because Humagear don't uh, see humans as having the same right to life as they do. So we get this really, it's short, quick, and intense uh, scene of almost like a zombie horror movie, uh, all these Humagear going crazy and chasing after them, trying to murder them, and, uh, I just thought it was really well done. I, I was really impressed by it. It was enjoyable to watch. It was spooky. It was um, it was just really compelling. And uh, seeing these kids and, and they hadn't like fully woken up to who they were in another timeline or whatever um, on the run and scared of this mob that was attacking them was really fun to see. And then seeing them like make the switch like Sogo at one point is fighting them off. And Tsukuyomi, like, slaps their teacher, and then he comes after her. It's just she, like, punches them even harder, and then they run. And this guy, uh, one of the students, like, jumps after them. That was all really cool stuff to see. And it was, like, shot really well. It was very intense and uh, suspenseful. And I really appreciated that. Uh, so next, I'm going to kind of switch over to talking about the robo-dystopia. So, that like, that was one really good, one really well-done segment. Uh... And the next would have to be... I'll come back to Will later. The next would have to be uh, seeing Fua and Yaiba as these... I'm not going to say resistance leaders. I, I want to say that. But they're these um, you know, human rebels. One of many human rebels. And you get to see just how massive the scale is. They have this warehouse that they're living out of. And there's underneath it... Um, they are supporting people. Uh, just regular humans. Um, you know, some of them fighters, some of them not. Uh, they have stocks of food and ammunition and weaponry, guns specifically, that they're using to fight off these uh, Humagear who uh, are trying to kill them um, because they want to stamp out all of humanity. And it was, uh, it reminded me very much of Robocop and maybe some other things, but it was just uh, seeing the, the desperate odds that they uh, have seeing what they're fighting against was really interesting. And then seeing uh, Yaiba and Fua recontextualized as these freedom fighters for this organ or for this group of just people trying to live was really cool because it, to me, it puts them in the position of just being regular old common writers. There's no hidden agenda. There's no uh, Zaya agenda. And I, I wasn't saying hidden as a pun on hidden. Well, maybe it, will, I, and it doesn't, doesn't matter. There's no other agenda. They're just doing the right thing. They're helping people with this power they have and the rider suits for them are just another weapon. They have, you know, ammunition, they have guns, um, but as the threat, you know, gets worse and you have, uh, like, you know, Jin and Hirobi in this world who are <laughs> different and weird, uh, but also feel very in line with themselves, um, you know, from the show, uh, they're coming in and uh, elevating the threat with their own rider powers, so then you have, you know, Vulcan and Valkyrie to fight against them, and that's really cool. And I'm going to say the personalities of 
Hirobi and Jin weren't too different. It was more just seeing them, like, in a different context. Which, the thing is, that even with Yaiba and Fua, they're not really different characters. It's, it's the, seeing the same characters in a different context, in a different world, and how different that makes them. I know. Uh, I also, just on a personal note that tickles me, uh, Jin and Hirobi almost feel like the way they're dressed and the way that they're shown, uh, that they're supposed to be like a play on um, the guys who make up double. Uh, even though they don't turn into one guy. I can't remember their names. There's a... Sorry, guys. I didn't like double, so if you're mad at me for forgetting, I tried to block it out. I remember Psycho. I remember uh, Wakana. I remember... Um, <laughs> uh, Shroud. Um, I don't know. Terui. Akiko. Those were good characters. But, you know, I blocked out the other ones. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but, anyway. Uh, so this... The, the dystopian future was done well. Uh, the rebels fighting... I, I should have gotten more... Um, well, anyway. Yeah, the rebels fighting was really cool. Um, it was just nice to see this, you know, band of people trying to survive. And it they showed their camp and stuff, and it was very effective. It felt, um, you know, very legitimate that they were uh, on the edge of life and death. And, uh, I thought, again, they did a really good job exemplifying that, showing that off. Um, so, as the movie goes on, it gets a little less good. Like, I really like those bits in the beginning, and, like, the first 30 minutes of it revolve around, um, pulling Sogo and, and, uh, Tsukuyomi and Gates out of their ordinary life and into this crazy life of, uh, you know, the Humagear being in control and coming after them, and then Aruto is basically in that same world. And then we get to see them, uh, he, he goes and joins up with the rebels, and then uh, Sogo and the others come to him and save their lives, save the, the lives of the remaining rebels, uh, and I guess they push off that whole army of, um, that's funny that it's never really addressed, I guess they push off that entire army of Humagear who had come to attack them because we don't see them anymore after that point, and they're not really a problem. Uh, things just escalate later at the end, which is kind of funny. Um, but then we go into this very common writer part of it. So I felt like they were dipping into genres. They were doing the zombie horror genre. They were doing the, you know, uh, robot post-apocalyptic future, you know, Terminator type thing. And then they transition, and they go more into just like a straight-up common writer movie, a, a common writer crossover. And we have things like this new, new timejacker whose name I don't remember, uh, but she looks really awesome. She's got a great outfit. The way she was shot was really cool. Um, we have her uh, wanting to become the first writer and steal the power from uh, Sogo and all the other common writers so she can be a new writer for a new era. And uh, the point of this writer in this era is going to be stamping out humans or something. And she talks about how common writer's power is sourced in evil and, like, she's mad at Sogo, uh, and I guess, um, well, it's mostly Sogo that she's dealing with, um, for wanting to use writer's power in a new way, and I guess it parallels in a silly way with, um, with my boy Aruto, because he wants to be 
uh, he declares himself the new common raider of this era, and she was saying, I'm the new common raider uh, for this era. And he's like, no, like, I'm going to be the new common raider, and I'm not going to you know, go around murdering people. I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to protect everybody I can, and so on and so forth. And that was interesting because you have, uh, I guess, these thematic parallels where she's trying to replace all common raiders and recontextualize what a common raider is, and then you have Will, uh, the Humagear president of Heaton Industries, who wants to stamp out humans. And uh, this timejacker lady actually gives him the power to become another zero one. And what he wants to do, and what his goal is, is to have Humagears be supreme and to stamp out human lives. And he's kind of in the same place as her, trying to recontextualize the power of common writers. Although I don't know that he would call himself evil. And when he puts things up for a vote, the Humagears, uh, some of them support humans uh, being able to coexist with them. And then, uh, you know, common writer stuff happens where there's fighting and, you know, people showing their true power and, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, Arito uh, is weak and then he becomes strong and then he rallies the Humagear to his side and they ultimately end up uh, voting for him to, you know, take over and to end... Uh, Will's reign here as president of Heaton Industries, and they change their approach to humans, and they want to coexist with them. Um, but it's the same thing where you have this other force, this extra force, like trying to take over and co-opt uh, somebody else's position, rank, power, however you want to call it. And I find that kind of interesting that you have that going on in both of the stories, and that uh, the Timejacker who uh, was trying to arrange that also set up this another writer trying to arrange that, which I guess is kind of how things went in Zio. It was all about these timejackers subverting the current course of history, which is exactly what happens in this. So I guess I guess it's not too surprising. It all makes sense. Um, that's the natural progression of how this stuff would go. But I guess just as someone who hasn't watched as much uh, Zio, it felt a little more interesting to me. Um, I did not want to neglect how cool this another Zero One suit is. Uh, I mean, just look at it. <laughs> uh, if you're watching um, this, you know, the video of this, you're seeing me zoom in on him. If you're not, then you can go to uh, mjmunoz.com um, slash podcasts or uh, look up M or type in MJLT for MJ Loves Toku and you can see the post for this. Uh, it's a really neat suit. There's going to be pictures of this and select other things. And uh, anyway, it's a really neat suit. I like it a lot. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot of cool features about it. And I just, the another writer concept is really neat. And I hope they keep bringing these guys back every now and then uh, just for fun. Uh, they don't have to make it make sense. It could just be, hey, we're going to do another writer suit for this guy or for, you know, anybody. Because, you know, why not? Um, but, yeah, that was really cool. Another really cool suit that I want to talk about and that has to do with this uh, good dad, bad dad uh, kind of concept that I'm talking about is, uh, is it called Kamen Rider 001? I, I think that's right. It's like a prototype. It's a force riser with a hopper, and it's Soreo Hiden, which is Aruto's robo-dad. And that's a whole thing that I need to discuss, too, because that's a really interesting concept. And this, it kind of carries the uh, 01 concept of evolution 
and um, like growth and surpassing a certain threshold, like reaching singularity for the human gears or humanity continuing to evolve or not evolve or whatever that like Thousers obsessed with and stuff like that. But it just it puts it in a different context, in a more natural context and in a healthier context that's more um, generative, that's more uh, productive to maintaining life which I think is important, and I think that's a core message of Kamen Rider. So besides the visuals of uh, Kamen Rider 001, uh, there are, you know, extra dynamics. He's, so 001 is using the Force Riser, um, but also we have uh, this, and, and it's less, sorry, I'm a little scattered here. It's less to do with, well, so 001 is using the force riser to force the hopper, rocking hopper key into, you know, open so that he can have that power of a common rider. But at the same time, we have Will, who has stolen, basically, he's supplanted, he's usurped the position of uh, the CEO of Heaton Industries or the president of Heaton Industries in order to become Comrade 01, who is another writer. Um, well, I guess he stole the belt. Yeah, that's right. He, he's restricted Aruto from using the proper belt for regular 01. He's another 001. And then his dad, who was Will's friend, companion, whatever, is 001. And he's a force riser writer, like I said. The whole point about this is that there's a connection between them. Hedon Ori, no Hedon, uh, Kornoska Hedon had Will working for him, uh, perhaps before Izu. I don't know if he filled, I can't remember quite if he filled a secretary position, but he usurped the presidency for himself. He voted out uh, Aruto in that vote that I talked about, and he corrupted uh, Sorio, who one would think logically would be the heir and successor to uh, Kornosuke as president of Heden, and we have Aruto, who's the spiritual successor to Sorio and Kornosuke, uh, and he's the flesh and blood grandson of one, and he's the human son to the robo-dad of the other. And, uh, Kor not Kornosuke, Sorio tells Aruto that he wants to basically live his own dream, that he fought against him and pushed against him so that Aruto would have to kind of like find the strength to do it all on his own and so that he could be living for his own dream, not for a dream that was inherited by him. Like he didn't want him to, it says in the subs that I read, it said he didn't want him to be anyone's successor. He wanted him to be his own man and like kind of come into it on his own or whatever, which there seems, like I said, to be this theme of evolution, and I'm talking about good dad and bad dad. It's kind of like they're, you know, a father and an uncle, and they represent, you know, two directions that this boy can go, and um, Aruto kind of has to prove himself that he's worthy to be zero one. And what does that mean? I don't really know, but more than that, uh, he proves himself to be a common writer, which is a title he directly um, declares and uh, you know, accepts onto himself or proclaims for himself uh, throughout the movie, and then at the end, like when he has that fight with uh, with Zio, he's saying like, "Hey, I'm the new common writer of this era, and I'm the first, and like, whatever." They have the fight, and he fights in order to hang on to his memories because for whatever reason, Sogo wants to take them from him. But uh, I just think there's a 
you know, these toys, these belts, these suits are all part of making the show look cool so that they can have cool things to sell to, you know, children and otaku collectors, whatever, uh, the whole gamut. Um, they're hitting it all different parts of the market, but if that's done well, it can be used to fuel really good storytelling. And I think the fact that, um, I think it was done well in this, in this movie, basically is what I'm saying. I like Will being this usurper, um, and then, uh, Koronosuke, or no, Sorio, using this alternate power, and, um, then Aruto also having to use that power in order to seize the original good, pure power and belt and suit of Zero One. That's really, really neat. Um, I just think it's a great concept, but there's one level deeper of, um, of the good dad, bad dad, uh, idea, which is that Koronosuke, uh, appears to me now to be a much deeper character, a much more interesting character. Uh, he is shown to be flawed. He is shown to be different. And I believe that this is an accurate version of him. So in zero one proper, I would say Will really did exist alongside Sorio and, uh, he worked for Koronosuke and something must have happened to him 12 years ago. And maybe that's why Izu was created because he had to be retired or he was destroyed or something happened to him or Will was corrupted. But I think Will does actually exist. I mean, like, you know, Robo Hakase or Professor Robot or whatever they call him. Uh, like, maybe he had a hand in, you know, working with this guy, developing him, whatever. Like, I could definitely see him as, like, an actual part. He's not of, of proper Zero One. He's not... Or Zero One, I'm sorry. Uh, he's not like a extra like add-on like he may have been added on but he fits within the standard continuity of the show and i think that's important but being that the impression i get is that that's totally true so when sir uh says that human gear will be key to bringing humans more happiness and then when he's challenged by will who says in return will humans be able to bring happiness to us human gears Kornoske's response is it's almost chilling. Like, it's interesting because he seems like such a jolly, happy guy. He becomes stone-faced, stern, quiet. He gets up, he walks out of the room, and he says something dismissive to Will. He doesn't say something rude. He says something that is intended to be... It is like a makeshift. It is given to mollify and pacify Will in the moment, and he's hoping he can just walk on and leave the room, and it will not be addressed. So, that makes me wonder. It puts me in the place of... Or the mindset of wanting to speculate and say... Will Koronosuke somehow come back in the show? Or maybe Will will turn out to be the final villain at the end. I don't believe that, I hope not, that uh, Thouser Matsugai is getting a redemption arc because I don't think he deserves it. Uh, I think he just needs to go away. Not necessarily die, but just stop. Um, but I don't see how they could give him a redemption arc. Yaiba's was the villainous writer in Zero One who got the uh, redemption arc, and maybe Jin and Hirobi are open to that, but not Thouser. He's, he's too far gone for me. But I think it would be interesting to see Will come back because Will is called Will, and they keep talking about the Will of the Ark. And what if he, he is the Will of the Ark? What if he was the property of the helper to very close to the top of hidden intelligence and if he was instrumental in things and he becomes attached to the arc um i think that'd be really cool i think that'd be a really neat turn uh, it makes me wonder what sorio's name means in english because i don't know what sorio is that's in japanese and i'm sure will isn't a japanese name i'm sure it's like will like is in will of the arc and they're using that english word and i wonder if uh like it's kind of obvious what sorio is to the japanese fans and they're thinking like what's this will <laughs> um but i, I think uh at least as far as I'm led to understand most Japanese, at least the younger folk, 
understand English better than most American young people understand Japanese. So who knows? But I just think that's kind of interesting. Um, and I think I like that. Uh, to get back to the point, I like the fact that they're showing dual sides, that they're showing uh, some darkness, some badness in Koronosuke. And uh, I'll be interested to see if the show picks up on that and develops it at all. Only life is important. Let's see. So, Aruto fights for human gear and people to live side by side. This evil common Rider lady, I guess she wants to dominate humanity and kill them all or whatever. To, you know, seize her power. And Aruto and Sogo both fight, uh, along with their associated team members, uh, fight to protect people's lives from these bad guys. And uh, that will, that desire, that... Um, level of determination and grit enables them to keep on fighting even when it's hard and uh, even when it's bad because they're fighting for something greater which was like I said the preservation of all life even if that life can can come to do evil or to do bad things and it's interesting to me how that's executed and honestly I am kind of losing the point of where I wanted to go with this What am I getting at? What am I driving at? What is the point of bringing up the fact that life is so important? Uh, could it be that... I don't know. Aruto was willing to go to such great lengths to defend people. Is it that he was able to... Um, believing in protecting these people's lives and the human gear's lives that he was able to... Uh, like... Even fight against his father for the sake of that? Gosh, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Sorry. Uh, that was a big uh, wind-up for nothing. Um, before I go... Gosh, I, I really don't know how to wrap this thing up. Um, I'll just highlight a couple more things. Um, it was interesting seeing Sukuyomi as a writer. Uh, I did not expect that to happen. Uh, like, I'd heard about it, but I didn't... I thought it happened in the show for, like, one episode or something like that, and I definitely did not expect to see that in the movie. So that was cool to see that uh, she got to do that. <sighs> what else is there, really? Uh, one last thing, just kind of a, the story going uh, back and forth or, or calling up. I liked how... Sorry, that's, that's a total weird transition. Uh, I liked how in the beginning we got to see that Aruto wanted to make his dad laugh. That Aruto wanted to make... Uh, you know, this robo-dad have real genuine feelings and he believed in the humanity of this robot man and uh, at the end he finally was able to make his father smile when uh, Sorio could see that Aruto had the ability, the gumption, the will, the strength to carry on and to live his own life, whatever he chose for that life to be and that was really beautiful and uh, I'm, I'm getting a real sense that there's a hero's journey type thing going on here in uh, Zero One, I don't think that writer always sticks to that, and I think um, that it often doesn't stick to that. I think there are some seasons where that sort of thing happens. I couldn't name any off the top of my head except for, I guess, uh, Ghost, maybe. Um, but I couldn't cite you examples on how it functions and serves or, uh, you know, delivers the monomyth. But in here, uh, I think it's interesting that Aruto is, like, scarred by the fact that he never got to make his dad laugh or smile, a genuine smile, as a kid. And then he grows up and he wants to be a comedian or 
when we meet him, he is a comedian, and then he's pulled into being the president of Hedon Industries, which is a king-type position, and in order to be that king, he has to be a warrior to fight off, uh, you know, Mitsubo Jinrai and the terrorists who, or, you know, the terrorist group who's messing with uh, the people. So, in the hero's journey, in the monomyth, in uh, that structure of thinking, there's uh, a king, a magician, warrior, and lover archetype, and uh, it's more, those are the, the man archetypes, and then there's boy archetypes too that correspond to them, and it's really warrior, magician, lover, and then king is the fusion of those three into uh, a different dimension where like a man is able to balance in between all those things, and it's, it's called like dancing the four corners or something like that, where a master of the four corners, uh, something like that, and it's the idea that you can hold and balance the ability to be silent, to be diplomatic, to be withdrawn, to be active, to be uh, creative, to be inspiring, to be all these different things um, that a well-rounded person would be. And uh, I believe there's an archetype, uh, like a parallel for women too, but I don't know it as well because I just haven't studied it as deeply. But it strikes me as interesting, uh, I swear this all has a point, that Aruto is a comedian. Uh, he's an entertainer. He uses wordplay and uh, his body, uh, physical comedy, in order to try to make people laugh because he wants to make people happy. He has this deep-seated need to make them want to smile and have happiness because he doesn't want people to face the same type of unhappiness that he had to face and to go on um, like suffering and sitting in a place of pain. Um, I think that concept of him, that, that core want and desire of Aruto's is like a seed of kingship, so to speak. And I, I may be speaking in esoteric terms here, um, and that's okay. Uh, you might find it interesting. Uh, and if you don't, you can comment or if you do, but disagree, you can comment and we can have a shout a discussion and maybe together we'll find a better understanding of, of what I'm trying to say. And, uh, anyway, so to me, it almost feels like he goes into this. He starts off when we meet him as this magician archetype where he's an entertainer using his skill and his intelligence, his wit and charm to try to accomplish a certain goal, to find something, uh, deep and, and great and share it with other people. Uh, and then, like I said, he has to become a warrior as zero one, uh, lover. I mean, the lover archetype, it doesn't actually mean that you find, uh, you know, a beauty or whatever, but like, I think his obsession with dreams and helping people to pursue their dreams and his belief in dreams is an aspect of the lover, uh, archetype because, um, there's, I mean, dreams are like a romantic, luxury so to speak or they're this they're this element of beauty or this this uh his infatuation with dreams is indicative of like a desire to uh hold on to something deeper and hidden and kind of mysterious and uh it's kind of a, a type of self-love because he believes in people and human gears believing in their dreams and pursuing them because it's what makes them happy and, and it's kind of a love relationship with the self not to a a negative extent, except for like Thouser's dream, the thing that he loves that fuels him is, you know, evil or, you know, being a bad person and destroying, you know, committing genocide. So like, that's obviously a negative one, but in this whole king, magician, warrior, lover, and these archetypes, there are negative archetypes. So like a king, the opposite of that, the evil opposite of that would be a tyrant. And then 
uh, once again, rounding that out, you have all of that is being encapsulated in him being the president, uh, CEO, whatever, of Hedon Industries and him having that dominion over all these people who are subjects to him. And uh, I don't know. I, I see that. I definitely think that's part of the monomyth and hero's journey and uh, that that's being that's something that's being written into uh, zero one or maybe it's just you know solid storytelling and I'm pulling that out of it because it's something that I kind of think about a lot especially with me um, pursuing writing as a career a side career for now um, or long term that's you know something I, I want to do and maybe I just kind of read uh, into everything that I watch, listen to, whatever, because I want to know how the guts of the story work and what exactly it's trying to say. Anyway, if you got through all that, thanks for sticking around. I'm going to go off on one more thing. I found it really exciting, really compelling, really beautiful, because I'm such a fan of uh, the original Common Rider, which you can now watch, you know, legally available on Tubi and Pluto and whatever, thanks to uh, people bringing it over. That's great. Um, you know, the whole Tokushatsu thing going on. Uh, the... 001 writer has pink eyes. He's got like this, I don't know, mint or not. It's not mint green, like a green blue suit. Uh, and he's got something that looks like a scarf on him. And then when he's in motion going super fast and things like that, he actually has like this energy scarf and his eyes glow pink. I just love how original writer that is and how it looks. And, uh, it really tickles me that they went ahead and did that. And, um, I really like it. I think it's a great thing. I think you gotta homage the original writer, at least at least in this Reiwa one, if you want to drop homages to other writers in the future, for future Reiwa era seasons of Common Raider, that'd be fine with me. But at least this first one had to have it, and they did it in a really nice way here, and uh, I think it's really dope. So, um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say. Uh, although, if you uh, think I'm way off on reading the hero's journey thing into this and the archetypes um on to aruto and and whoever else in the in the show in the movie specifically that i mentioned uh let me know uh i'd like to have a discussion about that if that's uh, something you're familiar with um but that's all i have to say so yeah i guess uh come back next time for another review uh the next thing on my agenda would be to do unless i've already released it um the president's special number two uh which will be just more clip show from commentator 01 if you enjoyed this like comment and share to help me grow don't forget to subscribe to keep current with each release chat with me on twitter at mj underscore scribe visit mjmunoz.com podcast to find the multiple feeds in which i analyze star wars tokusatsu comics and more visit mjmunoz.com support for links to my Redbubble and coffee pages so you can help keep me doing the things I do. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Until next time, be well. And remember, you don't have to shout henshin to be a hero.